Welcome, everyone, to the .NET Maui podcast. We're here to keep you up to date with the latest and greatest in .NET client development. We'll talk about some Azure, some Visual Studios, some Blazor, and, of course, .NET Maui. I'm Matt Sokup. I'm James Montemagno. And I'm David Ortnow. Happy 2022. We made it. We made it. We're here. We're here. So which one of you is dancing on screen while I was reading the intro? Because I started laughing halfway through. Was that you, David? <laughs> I was doing some dancing and then that made James bob his head. Yeah. And then I started laughing. And I had to. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Well, I hadn't screwed up one intro since beginning of we started doing this until that one. Oh, I, was, I thought you were going to say I haven't, I haven't messed up one since the beginning of the year. So, um, <laughs> well, since the beginning of today, maybe. Well, my new thing is whenever we're in a team meeting. Um, and I'm the first one there. As people come into the meeting, I do a little jingle. And I'm like, here comes David into the chat. Look at him. Wear some flannel. Welcome, David. Uh, and that That's getting some some smiles so far. Yeah. Well, you got to do whatever <laughs> you can to, to liven things up in this uh this world that we're living in. I wish that uh, I should open up a ticket on teams for this. I wish I could play music as the, as I don't know, whatever mm. the person that organized the meeting without having to share my screen. Right. Cause that would be awesome. I think yeah. that especially those first few minutes as people are filtering in, you know, set some mood, get things going. I mean, even the podcast has a little theme in music intro, right. right? So yeah. why can't meetings have it too? I agree. Well, you know, maybe that's a 2022 goal for teams. You should submit that ticket feedback, though. I approve of it. Um, I'll go talk to Pierce. I'll make it happen. <laughs> there you go. I can't <laughs> believe it. 2022 is here, but it's basically almost over because it's the end of January. <laughs> it is. And uh, we've actually shipped two releases of Maui. Can you believe <laughs> that? <laughs> Keeping me busy on my YouTubes. <laughs> yes. Well, I, yeah, both you and the several others out there, YouTube influencers and whatnot, I appreciate it because then I just, you know, less I have to do. <laughs> well, I've been having a blast because both Preview 11 had some major things in it. And then Preview 12 has probably some of my favorite things from the community, but um, yes. I don't want to spoil it too much, but I will say this much. Preview 11, there's an interesting one because I actually talked about it last year, but kind of like mm -hmm. it was out because yeah. there was updates to .NET, but really the Visual Studio integration kind of landed in the first week of the year. Right, David? It did. Yeah, that was kind of what happened is uh, we're on a cadence of monthly releases for .NET MAUI, and it goes along with uh, the service releases a schedule generally that uh, the rest of .NET does because we're part of .NET. Mm -hmm. but, you know, but we're also a UI framework. <laughs> so we kind of sit in this uh, fun little place between .NET and Visual Studio. And so it's like, okay, do we ship? Do we not ship? And of course, we want to ship our bits first before the uh, Visual Studio release goes out because it depends upon it. And so, yeah, we were out in December, but there were some QA things that uh, popped up at the last minute. And so we held back the preview release of Visual Studio in December. Um, and, but it did go out right after we returned from break. And so that's why the blog announcement coincided with the Visual Studio release in January. But the bits were actually available in December. And so those brave souls who knew how to use the, the command line uh, <laughs> were able to acquire it and hopefully be successful with it. Um, but it's a whole lot easier when you have Visual Studio as the... Uh, 
uh, I don't want to call it a Trojan horse. That'll probably get me in trouble, right? But uh, as the carrier, the main way of the main acquisition, the, there you go. Yeah, the main acquisition mm-hmm. funnel, if you will. Now, here's here's a fascinating part. I've been working with John Dick um, mm-hmm. from the engineering team on this because you know I've gone through pre pre previews all the way up to now, like before when you had to do manual craziness to where you can mm-hmm. do Maui check to then where you get Visual Studio. Then I'm mixing in the two different things. I'm doing the the .NET workload installs and I'm doing the stuff. The templating engine mm-hmm. for the CLI and also Visual Studio, you they don't install the templates in the same place. So this is something for our podcast listener. If you've been following along, is interesting. I figured it out, David. We figured it out. Um, I had this issue is that I would upgrade with Visual Studio to the latest version and the latest preview, but my templates would be an old version. They'd be the previous version. And it is because I had at some point kept installing and manually updating from the CLI. I do Donna New Maui and say, hey, you got to update the template. But the problem is, is that when you upgrade Visual Studio, it does install the newest template, but the CLI install, you know, has priority. There's like a ranking list. So there is a folder somewhere on your machine, you, you know, slash user slash your name slash dot template engine. It's in there. You got to delete it or do the uninstall command, reopen visual studio. It just works. It was, I couldn't figure it out for the longest time, (laughs) but uh, we figured it out. Most people won't run into that because they haven't installed all 8 billion previews for the last year. David of this thing. I know. Um, yeah. But that was a fun, fun, as we would talk about all this stuff, right? It's kind of fun to figure out how this new world yes. of .NET CLI using the command line workload, how this big ESO ecosystem and just being aware of how it works. Because if you're only ever doing stuff from the CLI, you never saw this, right? If you're no, only you, doing yeah, stuff you, from Visual Studio, you never saw this. But I'm in that weird hybrid place. Yes. Well, and, and probably you, know, you similar than uh, as I, you know, both using Mac and Windows and currently on the Mac, CLI is, is the only way to go. Yeah. Um, hopefully that changes in the near future. Yeah. Uh, you know, this is what previews are for. <laughs> it would be nice if we had uh, been able to solve these things earlier, but isn't that always the case? You know, why didn't yeah. we catch it last time? Um, yeah. So in your user path, there is a template cache. It's actually a, one of those hidden folders. So it's a period template cache. Um, and what happens is, is Visual Studio, uh, it, my understanding is now we are installing them all in the same place, but depending on who put it there, the other party, doesn't know, right? Uh, like, yeah. they, like you snuck it in there and it doesn't have the registration that, that those things exist or have been updated. And so we're working through that stuff. That's part of the previews. And so internally the teams are talking and saying, okay, how do we make sure that these things do all work well together? Um, because that is absolutely the customer expectation that we have is that once these things go GA, yeah, regardless of whether you've done things with the CLI or with the Visual Studio, we're going to uh, do everything we can can to make sure that everybody knows, everybody's talking, um, and we, we don't run into these conflicts. But if you do have the conflicts right now, my recommendation is go look for that template cache and blow that puppy away when Visual Studio is closed yeah. and then reopen Visual Studio. And you probably, because it's going to rebuild the cache, yeah. um, you'll probably be in a, in a fine state at that point. But uh, if you can just stick with visual studio, 2022 previews, preview three is the latest one. Um, you'll be in a much better situation. Um, but if, if you've been riding along with the previews all along, yeah. Uh, 
Welcome to my life. <laughs> well, talking about templates, um, David. Yes, Matt, you have you have something you like about templates. I think there's some new templates because myself, I did a little pull request on the templates, and <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, they're in there. They're in there. They've been C sharp tenified, and mm-hmm. um, the Don and Maui team, the engineering team, by the graces of their amazingness, um, the Peppers and John and all the, all the whole team, they also implemented implicit usings for Don and Maui in a magical way because I updated the templates to all C sharp tenified. I had to make sure the essential stuff was in there properly, more updates coming there and preview whatever next. Super excited. Cause me and John Dickard has been behind David's back, just chatting and, and Johnny's like, I don't got time for this. I was like, no, but this is important. I was like, okay, let's do it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I snuck in the C sharp. So we got top level statements. We got global usings. We got implicit usings. We got all sorts of goodies in there. All the essential stuff for both the the Blazor hybrid stuff with Don Maui and the normal Don Maui templates. And they're just ah oh, beautiful templates. Like ah, oh, they're everything I want in life. They're so good. They're in the box. And what was fun about doing this was understanding. Um, the complexity, some, um, uh, Morton from the community was like, Hey, what about, are there going to be conflicts? Right. Because if you have implicit usings, well, what about windows and Android? They have implicit usings. So peppers, um, figured out basically, Hey, Maui is going to sit on top of the other platforms, which is what it does. Make sure that if I'm in this project, only use my implicit usings, don't use the underlying platforms, for this, which means there's no conflicts because Android has a button and Windows has a button. And if you create a button, then there's going to be differences there. So mm-hmm. now it's beautiful, right? You go into the, the startup app file and it's like, what, like eight lines of code. It just starts mm-hmm. on line zero. It's a beautiful thing. And then someone joked, actually Morton joked, it was just funny, is that we have all the, the everyone has those using Microsoft uh, Maui shirts. <laughs> it would just be blank now because there's no more using stick. <laughs> <laughs> which is amazing. Anyways, they're in there. They're gorgeous. I love these templates. I'm not going to just say that because I worked on them, but I'm very excited about the updates. I love them too. Yeah. I mean, uh, anything to reduce the lines uh, and, you know, yeah, all the namespaces and everything, you can just truncate all that stuff. It's beautiful. And we now also have item templates in there too. Um, yeah. So you can add your content pages, your content views. You can choose whether to add a XAML one or a C-sharp one. Uh, so depending on your preference there. So those are all now baked in. That was in preview 11. So that's been around for release now. That's almost old news at this point. Um but also in that release, uh, we also had some fluent design updates for the Windows side of things. Um, uh, there's more work happening there. I believe some of that may have come in Preview 12, but uh, I don't quite recall if those PRs got merged. So uh, they'll be coming in the next preview. There will be another preview. Um, but what that is, is, you know, for your entries, your buttons, your editors, your controls, giving them the fluent treatment uh, skins, if you will. Um, and then we also introduced multi-window in preview 11 uh, that you can use today on Mac Catalyst, on iPad, on Android. And if you can get access to the experimental packages of WinUI 3, uh, which I believe is slated to come for the 1.1 release of uh, WinUI, then you can also use it on Windows. Um uh, but that right now is not part of their stable release. So check their release plans and roadmap for when that stuff's going to be public. Um, yeah. So then, and then we, you know, didn't stop 
can't stop, won't stop was my tweet. Uh, we shipped preview 12 too. And it was funny when I asked John, our, our, our favorite John, um, what, what are we shipping in preview 12? He goes, ah, yeah, we haven't had time. It's basically preview 11. And so then I went and looked at the diff and I'm like, dude, there's some great stuff in here. What are you talking about? You must've just forgotten. Um, this has the new shell dependency injection work, which was a contribution from Brian, uh, whose last name escapes me, but it's in the blog post. Uh, so basically, uh, shell, uh, and really anything data template related, uh, if you were depending upon or hoping for constructor injection to be satisfied by the host builder dependency container, uh, that was not happening. And shell exclusively depends upon that for all the navigation to pages and whatnot. Um, and so this PR, a rather simple one, took care of that. And uh, so now with shell, uh, which gives you the the quick ability for tabs and flyouts and URI based navigation and all the things that I kind of tried to focus on in the blog post. Uh, you can now use dependency injection for that. Um, something that was another simple ish uh, PR, but something that I'm pretty excited about and, and has gotten some positive reactions is the ability to Z index your child views within a layout. Um, this is something that it does not take advantage or does not use the native platform Z indexing. But within our layouts, if you want to, for example, take the last item in a layout and put it underneath the other items in the layout, you can just amend the Z index property on it. Uh, a whole lot easier, especially as we get into desktop and you're doing things like dragging and dropping, you know, maybe reordering things in a care in a collection view or something like that. And you want to bring things from the bottom of a stack to the top of a stack. Uh, carousel view, I imagine, would take good, good advantage of this. You can now Z index. Um, and then we've taken some of the newer things on windows, such as the extended toolbar and surface that, uh, so you, I, this was a comment that I saw in the blog post this morning. How do I, uh, you know, get access to the Chrome of the windows window? <laughs> That's a fun one to, I was asking, uh, one of the engineers something about the windows window and he was like, what window are you talking about? because <laughs> um, Maui has a window, windows is a window. Windows has a window. So many windows. I'm like the WinUI 3 window, I guess. Um, anyway, so you can now do things like, you know, hide and show the, uh, the native Chrome. You can extend your content into that space. You can do all kinds of things with it. And uh, that will be coming to shell in the next release. It currently works with the other navigation containers, flyout page, flyout view, um, and tabbed page. Yeah, so that's kind of a, a recap of the major highlights of the features. Uh, like I said, we do have a preview coming next month as well. And then we're kind of at the cusp of our release candidate, which is then uh, right before a general uh, availability release. Um, and the great news is, well, more great news. It's all great news. I like I like doing the podcast because I feel like I get to give all the good news here, you know, uh, during meetings, sometimes I feel like I'm the bad news guy, but here I'm the good news guy. Um, uh, Dave Britch has been pumping out documentation for new features in Maui, as well as porting, uh, documentation from other features in Maui. Uh, the repo 
for all the docs. So you can actually see what's being drafted as it's being drafted is all available at .net. Uh, you know, it's github.com slash .net slash docs dash Maui. It's all there. Um, so, hey, you want to go port some docs for us? You feel free to do that. You don't have to. We're, we've already got it planned, but just saying. Uh, so that's been nice to see because uh, in the feedback, we have certainly heard loud and clear, especially from developers who maybe didn't have any history with Xamarin. You know, it wasn't readily apparent that all, all those documents still apply. Um, so it's nice to have more of the documentation getting filled out uh, and satisfying some of that curiosity. And pretty much every Friday, we're on a, on a cadence now, we'll be shipping new docs. So I'm very excited about that. It certainly helps people get up and running with Maui and being successful. Uh, David, on the, you know, you mentioned you had a great example in the blog post of the .NET podcast application, which I'm yeah. in the process of upgrading to Preview 12. We upgraded to Preview 11, um, took advantage of some new stuff there. Um, actually, it was already built on Preview 11. Little people didn't <laughs> know, but it was on an <laughs> earlier preview, Preview 11. Um and the, the shell dependency injection, which I'm really excited about, um, does that trickle down through the view models? Like, does it, you know, you create your page, does it send this stuff to the page and to the binding context if it's rigged up into the, the XAML, basically? I guess I could just test it, but I didn't know if you knew off the top of your head. Off the top of my head, I can't really imagine uh, exactly what you're picturing. Well, because, um, you know, the query parameters, for example, do that. You know, it's, sure, it's a, yeah. yeah. Well, that's the, the way the query parameters work. It's a very explicit applying of of properties. Yeah. Um, so there's, there's really no magic there. It, you know, it scrapes it and then it applies mm. it. Um, I mean, if your dependencies are set up such that, I mean, because really all the dependencies are satisfied through the container, right? Yeah. And so the activator instantiates the thing mm -hmm. and then populates it. So I would imagine that, uh, you know, are you getting the same instance? Is it a singleton? Is it transitive? Is probably more of the question. Um, but I'm going to try yeah. it out. I'm Give it a try shot. It out. Yeah, you know, you would ask me, hey, you know, do we have a PR to update this, et cetera? And I went and looked and I saw that you are using um, the Maui version in your CS proj. Yes. And so this is something that many people may not know exists. So yeah. I will mention it. Um, you, Because especially if you're coming from Xamarin Forms, you're like, what, what version am I on? Where's my version? I need to know my version. Because we yep. are pumping out nuggets every month. Well, mm -hmm as we've said several times already in this podcast, we have, it's a new world. We're part of .NET now. So uh, you are in Maui land <laughs> in .NET world. You are on the, the current version of .NET. Yep. That's your version. And so there are ways that you can go find out which version you're on. But during this preview cycle, you want to be able to pin your work to a particular preview release because things are moving so quickly. So that's yeah. why you can have a Maui version in your CS proj. But uh, here's the fair warning. That is not an official thing. It may go away. It's something we're using to pin your apps to a particular Maui version, but I can't promise you it's going to survive GA. Gotcha. Um, so when you asked me, did we do a PR for the podcast app? I'm like, it should just upgrade, right? Because if you had not used the Maui version and you had upgraded your .NET, then you would have already inherited the new stuff. Yeah. And there really weren't any major changes that you needed to adopt uh, 
Um, but I, I do want to, I'm remembering now there was something that I learned <laughs> because if you're using Visual Studio, everything upgraded just as it, as it normally would. But mm-hmm. if you were on Mac or you were using CLI, you may have gone and done a .NET workload update yep. and it said, there's no update. And you would have said, well, but David blogged it. So therefore there must be an update. Did he lie to me? Mm-hmm. I did not lie to you. Okay. <laughs> what it, what it was is, uh, .NET moved from the 100 band 6.100 series releases to 6.200 preview. Um, so when you move to the next minor version of the release, the workloads follow that release package. Uh, mm. scheme, right? So <laughs> so you needed to first acquire 6.200 version of .NET itself and then update your workloads or install the 200 band versions of the workloads. Mm, so it. this is another new thing that we're all kind of working through in this new world of .NET to understand how how these workloads work how it works with the .NET installer, how it works with the Visual Studio installer. So I don't know if gotcha. that all completely makes sense to everybody yet, but it'll sink in over time. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm still figuring it out. So it's all good. Nice. Cool. All right. I love it. I love it. I love it. Oh, man. Cool. All right. Um, well, you did mention that there's a new Visual Studio. Matt, do you want to break mm-hmm. down what's new all up in there? Yeah, I will do that. What I love about this new version of Visual Studio is it's really, it's kind of really focused on productivity. Before um, David and I were chatting, like David asked me, when's the last time? Or he asked me if I was developing anything cool right now. And I said, I can't remember the last time I developed anything. But what I like about this new Visual Studio, I can't wait to actually develop something because it has all these new cool productivity um, tools in it. One of them is um, for Git. Always adding some new Git productivity to it. Um, it's easier to, to compare branches now. And what I like about it is going to be super easy to check out an individual commit. So if, when you're comparing the branches and you find out that your remote um, head has, or if you mess something up and you want to go back to a, a previous commit, it's going to be real easy for you to do that. And you can compare your locals against the remotes and everything's nice. The UI is better. We'll link to uh, a couple images to show that off as well. But here, here comes the, um, I'm going to save the best for last too, but here comes a couple other really cool things about this too, is um, there's something called in here called automatic code cleaning profiles. Now this is kind of like, if you think about it, it's kind of like linting. So what happens every time you save a file, it's going to automatically go through and like remove unnecessary usings in it or go through and make all your fields read only or automatically alphabetically sort all the usings that you have in it. So it's like all these rules that you have set up for a, for a profile to kind of enforce like, I guess, strict if you have <laughs> rules for your code that you want it and it's cleaning. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's pretty cool. And uh, every time you hit save, it's going to go through and do that automatically unless visual studio automatically saves a file and it won't do that. You're saying, well, when does visual studio automatically save the file? Well, in this new preview, it automatically saves a file every time he loses focus. That's actually kind of cool. Uh, I'm not sure if it works the same as like VS Code does. You notice if you ever close VS Code and you open it up, 
it like it brings a file back up that you're working on that you never actually saved. So I'm not sure if it does the same thing here, but every time that you lose focus or change focus away from uh, Visual Studio now, it saves a file for you. So there's not going to be any more, uh, you know, accidental closes or getting that warning that, you know, do you want to save? It, it has your back. So that's pretty neat. And um, a couple other neat things in there is that it's going to be easier to navigate to underlying uh, source code, like for the .NET source code, your um, embedded uh, assemblies, assuming the um, embedded assembly has the, I think the link, what is it called? Link source in it. You'll be able to get at it easier that way. Uh, what else? I'm just going to get right to it. Cause I can't, I can't wait to talk about it. David, additional color tabs. <laughs> the data was on mute. <laughs> I was laughing, but I was on mute. You know, it was funny because when we, when you kicked off the segment talking about Visual Studio, I was like, "Are we going to talk about color tabs?" Yep. But I didn't say Not it. Only, and here it is. Here it is. More colors. many different colors by project by file extension. Now you can actually take a tab and color it yourself if you want to Ooh. as well. Yeah, I, somebody tweeted about that, and I was like. That makes so much more sense than what it was doing before. I love it. Um, but y- you mentioned the Git stuff, and I did want to chime in with, uh, I didn't know this stuff was new. I'm, I just thought maybe I had never used the Git integration before, because I use the Git, Git desktop uh, app for most of m- my work. But I wanted to be able to compare my current changes against the last version that was in Git. And I was able to do all the diffing and everything right in Visual Studio. I don't know how much of that was brand new or how much of it's been there for a while, but I was super pleased with how that all worked out um, because that's something that I had been personally missing. You don't know until you know. And that's exactly. the thing. I haven't been, you know, I'm the same with you. I've been using the old tooling, you know, whatever your workflow is for such a long time. And all of a sudden you see this brand new shiny stuff in Visual Studio that you haven't given a look to in a long time just because you didn't know it was there or when you're using it before, it wasn't as fully featured. And all of a sudden, it's super shiny, it's super great. And you maybe can even tab color it. I don't know. Yeah, it's that colorized. Be something? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's great. That pretty much sums up everything that's new in the preview. Um, so, yes, super exciting. Can't wait. Download it now. You can download it side by side. But it'll be coming to regular Visual Studio 7 point or 17.1 soon enough, too. Uh, the only yeah, other the, thing that they added in preview three that I thought was cool because the podcast app uses it, which is container apps um, mm-hmm. for Azure container apps, which is kind of like have a bunch of services, you know, I want to auto scale based on events and we used it for like processing different RSS feeds and stuff like that. And preview three, which is also out, um, they added GitHub actions workflows directly for Azure container apps, like which makes it crazy simple to start spinning up microservices for your, for your applications, which is just absolutely lovely. Um, I'm reminded that uh, one of the things Maui developers will want to do, and we're super excited that we have this Windows platform, which makes for a really fast kind of iterative flow that you have, especially with XAML Hot Reload. Um, if you if you see that XAML Hot Reload is not working for you, there's probably tooling that you need that comes from the UWP workload. So uh, that won't be an issue in the future. But as of preview three, you may want to install the UWP workload just to get the tooling so that the XAML Hot Reload works for you. So that's just a random tip. <laughs> it's just a few more megabytes or gigabytes on your machine. 
just for this release and you can <laughs> you can let it go next release and you hopefully won't need it but what do i what do go. i got to install what's that again uwp workload inside of the visual studio installer oh okay yeah got it. Uh, there's there's some some unnamed tooling thing waves hands previous <laughs> i don't know what it's previous. called things <laughs> oh also i did figure out um, I did figure out exactly what I need, by the, by the way, for the dependency injection. Um, yes, everything works how I envision it because we've registered all of our services, which are going to get dependency injected into our view models. What we didn't do because this wasn't rigged up is we weren't adding the view models into the services. Yeah. So right now, if you were creating your binding context in your XAML, which is probably what you shouldn't do, what you would do is you would pass the view model into the constructor of the page, which is what you showed in your blog and your services would be injected into the view model automatically because that's how the whole thing, the whole kit and caboodle works. Um, and it's amazing. And I'm adding it all right now, David soon. I don't know if I'll have it out by the podcast, but subscribe to updates to github.com slash Microsoft slash dot net dash podcast. That is the application. We'll put it in the show notes because Matt, is fantastic with show notes. That's right. If you hear me typing, that's what I'm doing. Did you see, uh, since we're talking about the podcast app real quick, um, did you see uh, you have a request here from Jimmy Engstrom? He would like to know what he needs to do to get the Coding After Work podcast represented in the Santa. <laughs> that's a great so, question. <laughs> the app we, uh, is so cool that now yeah. everybody who runs a podcast wants to be a part. Yeah, we, we can make that happen, I'm sure. Yes. Yes. Uh, I don't know why Gerald's not in there. You need to get Gerald in there too. He's got like a dozen podcasts he's doing. I reached out. (laughs) I reached out uh, to the team. Um, uh, The last update over here that we got going on, um, pretty exciting, is that there's some updates to some components. I'm real excited about this. Um, The Facebook SDK version 12.2 is released for iOS. So if you are doing stuff with Facebook, you know, ads or tracking or audience or login or shares or all those things. You can go grab those updates. That's first of many updates coming over. And in the blog, it outlines all of the components over there. And I know work is also being done to upgrade different like Android stuff to net six and all this stuff too. And I recently went through um, the challenge of, of upgrading my in-app billing purchase, my in-app billing plugin mm-hmm. to support all of Xamarin and Windows UWP and all of Net6 iOS and Android and Mac Catalyst and WinUI 3 with Windows App SDK in one single build. Oh. Yeah. Automatically and deploying to NuGet automatically from Visual Studio 2022, all in CI, and it's all there. It's all on my GitHub as well. That was a fun journey. It took me a little. It took me a little bit to figure out, but it's cool because that library depends on Xamarin Essentials. Mm-hmm. So when you're in Net Six, you wouldn't use Xamarin Essentials. You would use Maui Essentials in there. So actually, now take a dependency on Maui Essentials when you're on the mm-hmm. Net Six version. Uh, and have you uh, had time to document and blog that beautiful no. journey? 
It's on my list. So I think that's, you know, the same thing with the community uh, toolkit and everything. I know that there other library maintainers are facing a similar situation where do I bundle everything as one big nougat package? Do mm-hmm. I split it out and have a Maui specific version and leave the Xamarin version as it is? Yeah. Um, and then I, what do I have to do to make this happen? And how do I do the CI? Blah, blah, blah. Here, here's what I've been saying. I had a big conversation with Brandon all about this. Now, I think if your NuGet package has the words Xamarin Forms in the name, I think it's okay for you to create a new package for .MAUI, right? If it's a .MAUI, especially a control, things like that. Now, if it's a plugin, let's take the Bluetooth plugin, for example, or the NF billing plugin, where it's not specific to Xamarin Forms, it's just mm-hmm. cross-platform functionality. I want to support everyone for as long as possible, right? Until the the iOS and Android are out of band, I want to support people on that to make sure they can build. Now, they may not get any new features or bug fixes or things like that, but I'll tell you this much to, to build everything. I didn't change anything. I if-deft one line of code pretty much mm-hmm. between the Maui stuff and the non-Maui stuff, and it's all working just fine. There's just some toggles that I had to figure out how to, like in your CI, you just have to install the net six Maui stuff and mm-hmm. some stuff, but I'll put a blog together on that. That'll be fun. But I feel like, yeah, if you're a UI control, yeah, I think it's okay for you to like move because like your package name, it's like not representative of what it is anymore. Yeah, that and that's going to give sense. you a, yeah, that would, that would give you an option to like create a branch for backwards compatibility of saying like, Hey, you know what? Like this is the Xamarin forms branch and main is now Don Maui. You rename your repo and then you, you could still ship both of them. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, um, if you want to for a little bit. Um, but if you're just creating a normal package, I, f- I feel like it's nice to support as many as humanly possible for, for a while. Like kind of like when I think about supporting iOS versions, mm-hmm. you know, how far back do I want to go? Am I Frank Krueger that's supporting iOS six for some reason? That's nearly impossible for him to test. I don't know how he's doing it. <laughs> or are you like me where I, I do N minus two, which is the current version minus two years. Does Frank test? Frank does. Yeah, I think he supports iOS 9 still, but I think <laughs> he's, him and I have been talking about him dropping iOS 9. It's a tough one. <laughs> iPad 2. iPad 2. <laughs> yeah, that's a ways back. Wow. Well, congratulations on doing that. And that's a great point about the Xamarin name being in the package as kind of a trigger point there. James, do we know what's coming up on mid-feb- David, mid-February. You too. What's coming up? <laughs> Mid-February, uh, right before Valentine's from Day. From us guys. or just anybody? <laughs> no, from us, from 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 the Microsoft We Collective, guys. And this is just uh, a little teaser. I mean, just to kind of, I don't know, to bridge the gap until the, <laughs> the next topic. But, um, yeah, yeah. So, well, we're definitely going to have another release of .NET MAUI. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it will include whatever they get done between now and then. I don't have terribly many specifics. Uh, but there is an event coming up somewhere thereabouts that uh, we'll be celebrating 20 years of .NET. And Beth Massey, I know, tweeted today that she has been hard at work getting everything lined up. And I'm sure she's probably got guests and special guests and photos and who knows, she might even drag out some old video clips. 
Um, I mean, I remember what I was doing when .NET uh, first was released. Uh, I was working for a healthcare company that was stuck doing VB6 stuff. And I was <laughs> like, I'm not doing VB6 stuff. I don't know VB, but how about I go off and do this .NET thing? Because I was building the website for them. And they're like, yeah, sure, fine. And uh, so that's how I uh, was introduced to .NET and was able to do that despite everybody else writing really old code. Um, and I had a cool desk and I had a great little iPod stand and <laughs> my phone would make my speakers go. That's what 20 years ago was like working in an office. <laughs> <laughs> I was in high school. So, um, no, really? Yeah, I was 15. Oh, so gosh. 20 years ago. That was a long time ago. Yeah, but stay tuned to the Donnet website, the Donnet YouTubes, all the places, whole lots of exciting stuff coming up. I just got some of the art assets today. Um, the design team just made some really just stunning, nice. beautiful things. I'm real excited about it. So I have to, I have to modify some of the stuff for my crazy, ridiculous monitor. But besides that, um, I'm excited about it. So, yeah, keep we got a lot of stuff in, in store, so definitely stay on it. Yep, just a little teaser. Yeah. But um, something that is going on right now that everybody should check out is that we have a Learning Path or Microsoft Learn series going on. I think there's like five or six of these on how to create .NET microservices with uh, using, well, .NET, ASP.NET, and so on. Uh, Nishanil is, um, he's like the host of these. He's doing like all of them because he, he he's the net microservice man and um so what they are i'll put the link in the show notes for them and there's how many are there one two three four five six and it'll take you all the way through um what microservices are with net and that one actually has already shown but we can go and watch live or watch now for it on demand all the way through deploying a cloud native asp.net core microservice with GitHub Actions. That one's going to be on March 1st. So they're going on every Monday. And um, yeah, check them out. Learn Live. What that is, is that we have a learn module on the topic. And then a presenter goes through, works the learn module. You can ask them questions as they go. It's interactive. It's it's fun. It's it's a lot of fun to ask the questions. You learn as you go. Um, you see the demos live. It's it's almost like a conference talk, except you you have all the material in front of you. So, yeah, definitely check it out. I'll put the sh- put it in the show notes where everything is. It's really cool because there's an entire learning path on Microsoft Learn for not only that, but also for Blazor. And and uh, also there's new banners saying that the Donna Maui ones are coming soon. They're coming they soon. Sure and they're on there. They're, 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 they're kind of almost done. But as things evolve, we want to make sure they're ready to roll. But yeah, you'll definitely need to check out the microservice ones because we just kicked it off and gave a little sample. And they redid that one. But now it's a whole from start to finish of all the things. Yep. And well, speaking of microservices, let's just jump right into the Azure Service of the Month and something you could use to deploy your microservices with, or not really deploy them, but host them with, is the Azure Container Registry. So what is Azure Container Registry? Well, if you're familiar with Docker Registry, it's that, but it's on Azure. It's a place to host all your containers up. And uh, so why would you want to use ACR or Azure Container Registry over Docker Registry? Well, you want them private? You want it easier to use with all your other Azure services? Well, use Azure Container Registry rather than having them somewhere else. So another nice thing, though, that you would use it for, let's say that um, you are integrating with uh, Azure App Service, which runs containers. 
put it up in Azure Container Registry, just kind of works. And there's like Azure Kubernetes service. So it, there's nice integration between the other Azure services. But here's a cool thing is if you're developing, checking in the Git or something, using all the cool new Git resources in Visual Studio 2022, you can kind of offload your Docker build processes up to Azure and just have it build up in Azure Container Registry and get a new image put up there. So Azure Service of the Month, Azure Container Registry. While we hit some cloud news, while we're while we're right at it, while I'm while I'm going, I'm on a roll. So I learned about this new product. It's not out in um. It's you can actually use it right now, but it's not out for GA yet. It's still in preview. It's called um, Azure Chaos Studio. Chaos which sounds pretty <laughs> cool, right? And so there's whole this whole subdiscipline of chaos engineering, and essentially is it's. What it is is really kind of the formalized scientific method of let's see what happens when you pull the power cord out from the server. So it's we're going to actually go through and make an experiment to see what happens. Like if our database fails, see what happens to our application. Does it go down or did we actually make it good so it's resilient? And so there's this Azure Chaos Studio, which as it sounds, it's sitting in Azure and it gives you an, a nice WYSIWYG um, interface that you can go through. You import your Azure services that are running um, as part of your application. And then once you have them on there, or you onboard them. So let's say you onboard a virtual machine. It'll give you known faults. Like, so I have my virtual machine in there. It'll say, do a like an abrupt stop to it. And so now Azure Chaos Studio then is going to actually shut that um, shut that virtual machine down hard for you. And then you can monitor your application then and see what happens. Like there's another virtual machine come up to take its place. And like for um, um, like Cosmos, let's say, you can like simulate a, a right region shutdown. So does Cosmos fail over to a proper read region for you? Like, does it spin up a read write region? You can see how long everything's been shut down for. Pretty neat. And then what's nice then is that you get the results. My app was down, let's say, for five minutes while our thing was spinning back up. Now we can go back in and fix it. And it's actually, it's not simulating these events. It really is killing it, right? So you're not going to do it against a production app at all. But um, you can actually go through step by step, roll back any steps as you make these experiments out. And um, yeah, find, find out what results in downtime and actually and actually fix it. So introduce chaos into your system and then fix the chaos. Unplug the cord and see if your app <laughs> still, chaos. still still is in there. And then some other cloud news. There's this conference, guys. And um, it's a 24-hour virtual conference organized by Microsoft and the community. And that sounds a lot like Azure Cosmos DB. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, okay, got it. Yep, yep. <laughs> it's like .NET Conf, but it's for Azure Cosmos DB. And they're actually accepting call for paper right now. And I'll put out the CFP. So if you haven't talked that you want to give about Azure Cosmos DB, yeah, please do apply. But it's going to be April 19th and 20th. And oh, cool. it's going to be going on for 24 hours, targeted across the world um, as we go for the Americas or, or for um, APAC regions or email. And so, yeah. Check it out. It's going to be pretty cool. It's the second time they're running this. And um, yeah, it seems a lot like .NET Conf and how we run that, but all on Azure 
Cosmos DB. Cool. So I think it's pick of the pod time. Pick of the pod. Um, I pick. It's a great question. I am probably going to pick out some updates to the material frame library um, because they added translucent, transparent windowing on both Mac and Windows. It's super nice. I was in the Sharpnado namespace over there. I've probably mentioned it before, but the newest updates make really cool, transparent Fluenty UI, really, really cool. That's probably my pick of the pod, even though I probably picked it before. <laughs> um, I was, uh, I haven't had a chance to use this yet. Um, I mentioned it during the uh, community standup earlier this month, but there is a library that I found that uh, enables you to use XBind syntax in mm. your Xamarin Forms applications and other. It supports even more than Xamarin Forms. But uh, if you're coming from uh, one of the XAML frameworks that prefers to use XBind and you're looking for you know, squeezing every ounce of performance out of your bindings in your applications, totally check this one out. Um, at the time, I think I I've, uh, looked at it. It hadn't gotten a lot of activity. But I mean, uh, the the maintainer is already reporting, you know, some benchmarks and things like that. So it seems like it's been thoroughly uh, vetted so far. And uh, we'll include the link in the show notes after I find it and give it to me. <laughs> I was just going to say, put those links in the in the outline, guys. All right. And so mine is going along with the uh, not a development toolkit at all. It's called Microsoft Clarity. Have you heard of this before? Yes, you know, I have. You have. It's amazing. I've I had not heard of it until I saw it on Twitter the other day, and it's like gives you a heat map of like where people are clicking on your website, and it kind of shows pe- how mm. you how people are interacting with your website, or yeah. or not, and <laughs> and uh, like for a blog, you know, what are they going to do on a blog? At least that's what I tell myself when I don't see any heat map. But um, yeah, it's kind of neat. It's all free. It integrates with Google Analytics as well. And, um, yeah, so it's really neat. Just clarity.microsoft.com. And, um, yeah, it's just one of those new, those neat tools out there that kind of give you a visualization of what's going on. And I'm going to open mine up to see if anything's happened. So refresh <laughs> and nothing. nothing? <laughs> Four on your users since I set to set it up this afternoon. <laughs> I, I like those kinds of things. I don't know if this particular one, does it, does it do like a history of what the user did or is it just the heat map? You do have a little bit of a, uh, yes, yes. Of, um, they call it like a recording. So that's yeah, fantastic. A, I, yeah. so I used to use a service just like that back before I joined Microsoft, back when I had my own customers and, uh, when I was doing web apps and I would get a support ticket, you know, Hey, the such and such doesn't work because I had this particular service plugged in. I would be able to go back and see exactly what steps they took leading up to the issue that they reported. Um, so I, if that service does the same thing, even better. It does. I'm watching it right now. This somebody. This is totally creepy, right? They're going down and reading the <laughs> article. Not they're creepy. They're going pretty fast on the article, so they're not really reading it. So come on. But yeah, that's actually really neat. Cool. <laughs> well, we're, we're all scanners now. We we, we skim and scan. 
Yeah, it's a, it's a really cool service. I tried it out on mine as well. And just you might as well give it a go. I think it, it's super helpful if you're building like a consumer facing application because you can really tell like, are they, you know, we, we say like above the fold, like do you have to scroll or not? Mm-hmm. Are they scrolling mm-hmm. to your content? The answer is usually not. Unless they're reading an article, right? But if it's like a visual in, information or seeing where people are going, um, it's also kind of fun because I, I, I'm very article driven. I'm one of those people my wife has now taught me to highlight text while I'm reading it. Like I do that all the time, like, and I'm, I'm clicking and de-clicking and we're, sometimes I was like, I was like looking at the clarity content. I just saw like a person like click a thousand times and I was like, oh, they, maybe they think it's a button or something. But like, no, like I started to see that they were like me and they're like, <laughs> there's a lot of people out there that highlight text as they're reading and they, they constantly click, 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 click. And, and it's kind of fun. Yeah. I do that if I'm having trouble focusing, there you go. <laughs> it really yeah. helps you to kind of anchor to what the heck it is you're supposed to be doing instead of getting distracted and checking Twitter. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this week's, this month's Don MI podcast. We made it to the very end. Thank you both. And thanks to everyone that's been tuning in since the very beginning. If you have any feedback, let us know, head over to the website, leave a comment, do all the things we appreciate. It. So until next time, I'm James, that's David, that's Matt. And this has been the Don MI podcast. <laughs>